today i'm going to teach you on your rights in christ yes now let's start with the definition of what right is a right is something that one is morally or legally entitled to do or to have so your right is your legal or moral entitlement to do something or to have something so every human being has a right you have the right to speak you have the right to breathe no one will pose you when you are breathing you have the right to move around so rights are given to us for us to express the freedom we have the liberty we have christians also have been given rights and one of the most fundamental things for the christian to know about is his right in christ because from the definition of right right enables you to do and right enables you to have a right is a legal entitlement that allows you to do or have something it means that if you don't know your right there are things you cannot do and there are things you cannot have praise the lord jesus for example a student in a I'm sure you have some rights as a student. Right to attend lectures. And you have the right to walk about to any part of the campus except places that are restricted to uh, students. Alright? Who can help me with some of the rights that you have on the campus? Your legal entitlement. After you've paid your school fees. Alright? Come again. You have right to Wi-Fi. Beautiful. Is it every student? Every student. Free Wi-Fi. Okay. What other rights do you have? Right to use the library. So you don't... It's, I mean, you can just walk into the library and start using the library. Are you restricted as to number of books you can read in the library? You can read any book you want that's a right what other rights okay thank you apostle the right to visit the health center oh right to health so you can walk you, you have a clinic or something you can just walk in and be attended to beautiful so that's a right it means you have the liberty the freedom to access these things can we have the final right of an Ashesi student? You have the right to go to the gym. Yes. The right to go to the gym and exercise. Put your hands together for her. So, knowing your right comes with a certain good feeling. Gives you a certain confidence. And helps you to do the things that has been put in place for you. Because I'm sure that the gym was built... Not for people like me, but people like you. The Wi-Fi was created. I mean, when I'm here, I can't access the Wi-Fi. 
The Wi-Fi was created for you. So knowing the right helps you to access the Wi-Fi. So right creates access. And right causes you to receive the things that are placed or provided for you. So children of God, Christians have been given rights. Now, a story is told of a woman that struggled a lot to send her child abroad. And when the child went to the U.S., um, she began to start begging in the neighborhood. So people became concerned. Why is she begging? So for a long time, I mean, she just moved from house to house begging for food, for survival. And then one woman told her that I'm sure, I know that your son is abroad and he's doing very well. Is it that he doesn't send you money every month? You know, this woman concluded, um, you know, responded and said that no. He sends me something, but that's not money. And then the, the neighbor got concerned. So she said, okay, let me go and see what he has been sending for the past one year. He says, well, I received something, so I put it under my bed every time I receive it, but it's not money. Praise the Lord. So they went, lifted the mattress, brought out envelopes, opened it, and then she said, I told you, it's just stacks of paper. You know. She calls it newspaper, like newspaper curtains. Then the woman said, no, that is money. That's US dollar. He says, I didn't know. And when they check, she had received over 50,000 US dollars. And here she is moving around begging for food to eat. What is the moral of that story? The moral of that story is that your knowledge about the rights you have is what gives you access into the promises of God. That is fundamental for the Christian. You can have these promises of God and not know that you have rights to them. That's why, I mean, this explains why we have sick Christians. Because there are some Christians who do not know that health is a right. And this explains why we have some Christians who also beg for these things. Now, knowledge as a Christian is your key to success and excellence. Knowledge. Not just activity. Knowledge. So, Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, the Bible says, For lack of knowledge, my people do what? Perish. They are destroyed. Now, think deeply about this. How is it possible for a child of God to be destroyed? A child of God means someone who is born of God, who comes from God. Someone who has a relationship with God. It means that you can have a relationship with God and still be destroyed. The only thing that will save you is your knowledge in Him. So we escape through knowledge. We excel through knowledge. We survive through knowledge. Hallelujah. That's why the biggest thing you should seek as a Christian is knowledge. 
so that you are not destroyed. So your knowledge of your rights as a Christian helps you to do the things that God has promised you to do and gives you access to receive the things that you have been promised to receive. Praise the Lord Jesus. Now, how did we get these rights from God? How did we get rights from God? Now, a Ghanaian has the right, number one, to do what? Vote. A Ghanaian has the right of worship. If you're a Ghanaian, you can worship anyhow. Anyhow you are comfortable with. Praise the Lord Jesus. Yes. A Ghanaian has the right of movement. And then, even when we bring it home, if, um, what's your surname? Okay. I will not try to pronounce that. But, what is your father's name? Is your father around? He's not around. Which country is he in? Uganda. Good. Now, can you go into your father's bedroom? Do you have access to that place in your house? Sometimes. Do you have access into your living area? Do you have access into the kitchen? Okay. Do I have access into your father's kitchen? As I stand here, do I have that access? <laughs> I don't have. Why? Yes. Because the man who owns it, who owns the house, is not my father. So even when I come there, for example, let's assume you don't know me. Right? If I came to your home right now, everybody will, be, will feel threatened. People will feel like I'm a stranger. They may treat me with hostility or they'll start asking me questions. Nobody will ask you those questions when you go to the kitchen, when you go to the bedroom, when you go to the washroom because you are your father's child. So the right you have as a Christian is because you are the child of God. So being a child of God does not only give you a ticket to heaven. There are many people who are born again. They are just waiting for the second coming of Jesus Christ. But that's not why we are born again. It's one of the benefits of being born again. Access to heaven. But one of the major blessings of being born again is that we have rights as sons of God. John chapter 1 verse 12. Give me that scripture. Bible says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right. Say right. So when you receive Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, the first thing you receive from him is what? Right. Not money. Not marriage. Not academic excellence. What's the first thing you received? Right. The Greek word is exousia. It means license to become whatever God says you are. 
So God's major gift to you is right to become, to have that expression as a son of God. So when you receive Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you are given a right to become a child of God. And that is a big thing. Because right gives you privileges. It is the right that you have as a child of your father that gives you access into the places that he owns. That's what denies me access into the places your father owns. So whatever God has, once I am his child, he has given me the right to own them as well. He has given me the right to possess them. Praise the Lord Jesus. So right come through sonship. As many as received him, to them he gave the right. You know, the King James will say power, but it's not power. It's not that kind of power. You know, we have two kinds of power in the Bible. We have Acts 1.8, which says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That word power is the word dunamis in Greek. It means dynamic expression of the supernatural nature of God. So that's what you use to cast out devils. You say demonstration of power. You are ministry. People are screaming, falling under the anointing. That's power. That's what the Holy Spirit gives you. It's like uh, the same word from which we get the word dynamite. Dynamic power. Explosive power. But in John 1.12, God has given us right. When you read King James, take us to King James. You see that? King James says power. New King James says right. This power is not the same power as we have in Acts 1.8. Acts 1.8 is the gift of power. Dynamic, supernatural, explosive power. Power that heals the sick. Power that opens the eyes of the blind. Power that convicts people when you preach. But this power is the word exousia. It means rights or license. So when you receive Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, you are giving a right, a license to become a child of God. Hallelujah. Say I'm a child of God. Until you're a child of God, you cannot have access to the blessings of God. So what God does is that he adopts you as a son and gives you the right to become a son. Until you have a driver's license, it is illegal to drive. Until you have admission into Ashesi University, it's illegal to, to operate there. Hallelujah. So the first right that God has given us is right to be children of God. What a blessing. To be a child of God is the biggest blessing that anyone can think of. Because to be a child of God gives you access to all the blessings of God. Say I'm a child of God. Say I'm a child of God. Say I'm a child of God. Now think about this. There are people who wish that they were children of Bill Gates. Or children of the late queen 
of England. Because sometimes we think in those terms. If I was the child of this queen, life would have been easier. Right? Yes. Because you have access to the Buckingham Palace. You have access to a lot of privileges. But you are bigger than the child of the queen of England. You are the child of the creator of the universe. The owner of the world is your father. And he has given you rights to become whatever he has said you can become. Hallelujah. And that right should help you to do whatever he has said you can do. And that right should help you to receive. Praise the Lord Jesus. Whatever he has installed for you. Now, let me take you through three fundamental rights of the Christian. Number one, the Christian has the right to choose. See, I have the right to choose. Number two, the Christian has the right to live. Say, I have the right to live. Number three, the Christian has the right to rule. Say, I have the right to rule. These are the three fundamental rights that are given to the Christian. Every Christian has the right to choose, the right to live, and the right to rule. Now, let's look at the right to choose. Let's look at the right to choose. What you are giving is a right, an entitlement to something. So when you're a Christian, there are people who think that because I'm a Christian, automatically I'm supposed to excel. And there are people that think that because I'm a Christian, automatically I'm supposed to prosper. It doesn't work that way. What you have is a right to excellence or success or a right to prosperity as a child of God. So you use that right to claim that prosperity. You use that right to excel. Praise the Lord Jesus. You know, in the Old Testament, we wait for God. Because God was in heaven visiting humanity by his spirit occasionally. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon something. The spirit of the Lord came upon Moses. That's in the old covenant. God comes occasionally. So we wait for God. That's why the scripture does his day that wait upon the Lord is in the old testament. So the old testament folk used to sit and wait. They wait for action. Under the new covenant, you don't wait for God. God waits for you. Hallelujah. The Bible says that creation is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. So now the whole world is waiting for you. You know why? Because now God lives in you. God lives in you. So creation is waiting for you. You carry God. Praise the Lord Jesus. 
He says, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You carry God around. So who are you waiting for? Creation is waiting for you. So you have the right to choose. Take me to Deuteronomy 30, 19. This Christian life is about choices. Choices. This is how God operates. God said this to the children of Israel. He said, This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you that I have said before you life and death. I have said before you life and what? Death. Every Christian is supposed to operate with right, with the intelligence of right. The second thing about not being informed about your right is that if you don't know your right, the enemy will take advantage of you. For example, if you don't know that you have the right to freedom, the enemy will keep you in bondage. If you don't know that you have the right to vote as a citizen of this nation, right, you will not vote and then you complain of bad governance. Hallelujah. So, God deals with us based on rights. So, he has given us life and what? Death. He says, on this day, I've said before you life and death. Blessings and what? Curses. Blessings and what? Curses. He says, now choose life. So that you and your children may live. So the first right that is given to the child of God is the right to choose. Praise the Lord Jesus. Say, I have the right to choose. That's why you can't say, I'm dead. You know, there are some Christians, like for example, if they are walking and maybe they trip or something and they're about to fall. The first thing that comes out of their mouth is, I'm dead. (laughs) You have made a choice. You have exercised your right. Hallelujah. You know that God has given us our will. So every now and then, we use our will to access either blessings or curses. This is the intelligence that a lot of Christians don't have. Nothing is automatic. In 3 John chapter 2, God himself said, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. How can God give birth to you and say, I wish? It's like your father. He has brought you to school. He cannot study for you. He cannot write exam for you. The only thing he can do is pay your fees and wish that you will do at Excel. So if you go to school, you don't study. And when the exam comes, you say, I have prayed. God doesn't write exam. Are you here with me at all? God doesn't do what? He doesn't write exam. You write exam. But you know that I have the right to excel. So I choose to excel. I cannot fail. See, I can never fail. See, I can never fail. But you can be a Christian who has failed. 
because you fail to choose excellence. So what God has given you is a right to excellence. A right to success. Say, I am a success. Say, I am a success. Say, I choose to succeed. Say, I, I choose to be productive. Say, I choose to be in good health. Say, I choose to prosper. So everything is a choice. When you see a student, uh, a Christian struggling, he has chosen to struggle. We were not made to struggle. He says, I lay before you life and what? Death. But choose life. Do you know people, uh, there are Christians that say that I am sick because God wants to humble me. <laughs> yeah. There are Christians who say that. Praise the Lord Jesus. There are Christians who are struggling in life and then they conclude that, well, God wants to teach me a lesson. <laughs> are you here with me at all? You can only draw those conclusions when you don't know that it is your right to prosper. No one can take that right away from you except you. Say I'm a success. So he says, I've given you life and death, but choose life. Say, I choose to excel. Say, I choose to prosper. Say, I choose to be holy. Say, I choose to walk in righteousness. I choose to be a blessing. Hallelujah. So we have the right of choice. Put your hands together for Jesus. If you don't use your rights, you will never become what God wants you to become. So there are many Christians who, number one, don't know their rights. Number two, they are not using their rights. How do you use your rights? You use the right through faith. You enforce it through faith. So when negative things are coming to you, that's not your portion. You reject it. Hallelujah. When you write exam and you don't like the results, you ask yourself, what is my right as a son of God? Bible says you are the head and not what? The tail. Are you going to choose being the tail? So it's two reactions. It's either you accept it and say, well, I'm not intelligent. So you cry, but crying changes nothing. Hallelujah. A great man once says that both tears and sweat produce the same taste, but they don't produce the same result. Tears give you sympathy, but sweat gives you change. Say, I choose to excel. So the Christian is not a passive creature. It's not someone who is sitting down hoping and wishing my God is going to do something. No. A Christian is someone who knows I have the right to prosperity. Therefore, I am prosper. I've chosen to prosper. I have the right to health. I cannot be sick. And even when you become sick, you say it is my right to be healed. This sickness will not lead to my death. So that right pushes you to reject the sickness and not to accept it. Any negative thing the enemy has pronounced over your life, 
I demand that it is broken over your life in the name of Jesus. Anything that is not of God operating in your life, I declare, let it be terminated in the name of Jesus. Say, I have the right to excel. Say, I am a success. In the name of Jesus. So the right is a great thing. You have the right to choose life. Choose blessings. It is your right. Walk in it. Talk it. Speak it. Don't look at your environment. Look at the promises of God and the right you have. Praise the Lord Jesus. And walk in it. The second right is the right to live. Say, I have the right to live. Say, I have the right to live. This right is a right to eternal life. Every Christian has the right to eternal life. John chapter 11 verse 25 to 26. Thank you Holy Spirit. This in John chapter 11 let me just give you a, a, a brief background. In John chapter 11 Lazarus died and they told Jesus and the Bible says Jesus delayed a little while um, Lazarus was sick they told Jesus Jesus delayed a little while but when Jesus came Lazarus was dead he was dead and buried for four days praise the Lord Jesus when they told Jesus that Lazarus was dead do you know what he said he said he's not dead but he's only doing what asleep yes jesus was saying something he was saying something he didn't just want to give them hope he actually said it that lazarus is what asleep christians don't die We have the right to do what? Live. Those who believe in Jesus, they don't do what? They don't die. They, 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 they only fall asleep. Now give me the scripture. Give me the scripture. So when he came back, this is what he said. Jesus said to her, now Martha was concerned because they knew that Jesus was powerful. Okay? So Martha went to Jesus and said, he died because you delayed. And so, Jesus replied and said, I am the resurrection. And the what? Life. So, any child of God has what we call what? Life. Now, he says, he who believes in me will do what? Live. Say, I will live. Say, I will live. How do you live? Just by believing in Jesus. Those of us who believe in Jesus, we will do what? Live. Now, look at the continuing statement. It says, even though he dies, this word is also a communication because of Martha. He's telling Martha something. Martha believes that Lazarus is dead. So he's saying, even though he dies, he's speaking the language of Martha. 
not the language of sons of God. Now continue, verses 26. But whoever lives and believes in me will never <laughs> say I'll never die. That's difficult for some people to even say because now look at it. That's why he says, do you believe this? Because many don't believe this. People say, I'll never die. But then the heart, uh, you know, skips a bit. People believe they will die. But Jesus said, if you believe in me, you will never do what? Die. What is he talking about? He's talking about eternal life. Eternal life. Remember last week, I told you that man is fundamentally a what? Spirit. And spirits don't what? Die. Spirits don't die. So Jesus was saying that because he believes in me and anyone that believes in me receives life. Say I have life. That life is called eternal life. It refers to the quality of life. Eternal life is not a place. You know, there are some people that look at John 3.16 as a destination. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So people say someday we would have that eternal life in heaven. That's not true. Eternal life is a present day reality. It says whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So we have eternal life now. And because of that life, which is the life of God, we will never die. So if we will never die, what happens to us? When the body loses its strength, we don't call it death. We call it sleep. Let me show you in scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 14. Take me there. Jesus said, do you believe this? Now, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 14 says, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep. Jesus said, Lazarus is not dead. Lazarus is what? Asleep. Paul is saying, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who do what? Fall asleep. Then he says, or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. He's talking about unbelievers. Unbelievers don't fall asleep, they actually die. When we talk about death, we are talking about eternal damnation. What you see here physically is just a transition from the body into the real death. Real death is spiritual. It's not physical. But to experience spiritual death, you first need to go through physical death. But what Paul is saying is that when a Christian falls asleep, don't cry as if there is no hope for the person. 
because he has only left the body to be with the Lord. But when a, an unbeliever dies, cry. Because he has actually died. And what it means is that he is going to perish in eternal damnation. There is no hope for the unbeliever. He doesn't fall asleep. He actually dies. He's separated from God forever. No hope. So when we cry, we cry for the Christian because of the separation. We will miss the person. Hallelujah. Not because the person is going into hell. Actually, when the Christian departs in the flesh, he's going to a better place. So we rejoice. We only cry because we miss the presence of the person. But we rejoice because the person is in a better place. So Christians don't die. The final right we have is the right to rule. Say, I have the right to rule. Say, I have the right to rule. Romans chapter 5 verse 17. It says, for if by the sin or by the trespass of the one man death reigned or ruled through that one man how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through that one man Jesus Christ so the Christian has been given the right to rule or reign say have the right to reign in life so every born again person is reigning in life. The book of 1 Peter says that we are kings and priests. Your word carries power. Let me tell you this. Don't just speak anyhow. Because your words carry power. Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And the Bible says where the, the word of a king is there is power. Whatever you speak as a child of God will come to pass. That's why on the last days we'll be judged based on the words we spoke. You use your words to design your life. By the beginning of the semester, you declare, I will never fail. That's why you will not fail. Because you have been given the right to reign. On the campus where you are, you are supposed to reign. And rule over the academics. You reign over academics. You reign over the demons on your campus. It's your right. So you use your words to rule. You declare, I will never die. I will never fail. Hallelujah. I will never be poor. I reign in life. It's a right that God has given to you. It says through Jesus Christ, you will reign in life. And because you have Jesus Christ, you are a ruler. Say, I reign in life. Say, I reign in life. Would you rise with me? Let us exercise our right. Rise with me. Put your hands together for Jesus. Ecclesiastes chapter 8 verses 4. The Bible says, where the word of a king is, there is power. He says, and who may say unto him, what doest thou? What it means is that, you have the right to declare things into being. 
Praise the Lord Jesus.